Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach. And this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. This past weekend, I attended an event on igniting sexual intimacy in marriage, where I got to see a few of you, and so that was so much fun for me. And even though I had an entirely different series planned out for this month, and truth be told, an entirely different episode already written for this week, that event just reinvigorated me to talk more with you about this topic because I had so many good conversations following the event. You know, I'm realizing that when it comes to healthy sexuality, there's so much that so many couples don't know and perhaps don't even think about. And it's information that I've held for so long that I've kind of taken for granted that it's there, that it's been helpful in my own marriage, and that you guys are still looking for conversation around this topic. So with Valentine's Day coming up, I thought for those of you who hope to make it special, this upcoming series would serve as good reminders, refreshers, or perhaps things to think about for the first time as you think toward, plan for, and begin to practice a healthier, more satisfying sex life together. So here's how this series is going to go. It will be four weeks long, and this week we'll talk about sexual inhibitors. Next week we'll talk about sexual accelerators. The week after that, we'll have a discussion on mutual pleasure in marriage, and finally, we'll end the series with what to do and how to move forward when your sex life feels stuck or stagnant. So I hope you'll stick around, I hope you'll invite your friends to listen to this series, and I also hope you'll reach out if you and your spouse need any help or support in this area. Also, just to preface, you may need to listen to this series away from the kiddos this month. Going back to the event I attended this weekend, which was wonderfully done and wonderfully entertaining, I was so glad to see the presenter incorporate what's known as the dual control model of inhibition and excitation. This was a model of sexual arousal developed in the 90s by a couple of researchers at the Kinsey Institute. But for our purposes, what you need to know is that the sexual inhibition system, or the SIS, and the sexual excitation system, or the SES, operate on two different tracks in the brain, if you will. Dr. Jennifer Degler used the analogy of starting a fire, referring to these systems as extinguishers and accelerants, whereas Dr. Emily Nagoski, a professor and researcher, refers to these systems as sexual brakes and accelerators, using the analogy of an automobile. So whichever one of these metaphors works best for you, that's what I want you to keep in mind as we talk about these systems over the next couple of weeks. Today, we'll start with the sexual inhibition system. These are the brakes, the fire extinguishers, or what I'm calling sexual inhibitors. The important thing for you to know is, number one, they're turnoffs, and number two, it's important that you work to reduce them if you want to have a better chance of becoming sexually aroused and more excited for sex and physical intimacy in your marriage. I want to give you a list of seven sexual inhibitors that often contribute to a lack of sexual desire and arousal for couples. Number one, schedules. Here's when schedules are easy and not an obstacle to sex. When you and your spouse don't have children, when you and your spouse don't overwork, and when you and your spouse work the same hours and are home during the same time. But for the majority of couples, schedules get tricky. And everyone has their own brand of busy, right? It doesn't matter what the pairing is. 
Whether you do shift work, work that requires travel, work where schedules seem to change from week to week, on-call work, self-employment, work from home, or work within the home, especially if you have kids. The reality is most couples are busy, and while differing schedules aren't the sexual inhibitors themselves, lack of physical time together and the excuses that are easily created when couples have conflicting schedules are. Number two, stress. The first time I ever learned that I could manage my stress was in college. I'd learned about type A and type B personalities, and that type A people, of which I am one, tend to be at greater risk for heart disease and high blood pressure, both conditions which are made worse by stress, as are many other health conditions. And so about a decade ago, knowing that I'm a type A person, knowing that I'm prone to get easily stressed and anxious, I began to orient my lifestyle around self-care and stress management techniques that I learned in college. The reason I share this is because while we can't control our life circumstances or some of the stressors that arise in our lives, most of us do have way more control over how stressed out we are. I think a lot of times we create our own stress and then act as if we're victim to it. We talk about how busy or how stressed out we are, wearing it as a badge of honor to our culture or even to ourselves, while privately suffering for it, whether emotionally, psychologically, or physically. So as you think about this, what stresses you out? Your work or the amount that you work? The amount of obligations you have? The number of things you've said yes to? The commitments you've made outside your home? The lack of margin in your life? And don't worry, next week we'll talk about some solutions when we talk about increasing the accelerators in your marriage. Number three, environment. By environment, I mean the atmosphere in which you're trying to enjoy a sexual encounter. And while generally speaking, men can be less particular about environment than women, I do work with a number of couples where environment matters just as much to men. So whatever it looks like in your marriage, most likely, your preferences are both totally normal. But as you think about obstacles or inhibitors in your environment, I want you to think about your senses. What do you taste, smell, touch, feel, hear, and see, even peripherally, that keeps your sexual inhibitions up and your sexual desire and arousal low? Is it dirty sheets, a messy room, harsh lighting, smelly clothes, hygiene issues, noise or fear of making noise, or having phones buzzing or lighting up when you don't want them to be? Number four is mindset. More specifically, having a negative mindset about sex. We talked about this in our sex series last year, about how when we believe that sex is dirty or wrong, we're going to behave that way as well. That sex series, by the way, starts with episode number 38. It doesn't matter if we're married. If those messages have taken root, they're now obstacles or inhibitors to a person or couple letting down their guard during sex. But it's not just one's mindset about sex that gets in the way, but also one's mindset about their partner. If you've grown resentful, bitter, or disrespectful towards your spouse, that will significantly inhibit your sexual arousal if you're trying to connect emotionally during sex. And to a lesser degree, feeling unheard, misunderstood, or disappointed in your spouse can also inhibit desire and arousal. So your mindset about sex itself, certain aspects of sex, or about your spouse, is definitely something to consider as you think about what might be getting in the way. Number five, pet peeves. Sexual pet peeves are things that your spouse does that you would rather them not do. 
<laughs> there are things that on a good day you can maybe overlook if you're really in the mood, but on a bad day are just turnoffs and therefore deal breakers. Maybe it's touching, grabbing, or kissing in a certain way. Maybe it's looking at you or not looking at you in a certain way. Or maybe it's the way your spouse does or doesn't initiate, or the way your spouse responds or doesn't respond, or the way your spouse uses baby talk or derogatory talk without thinking of how it makes you feel and respond sexually. Pet peeves can be an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but when it comes to mutual sexual satisfaction, not to mention longevity of sexual intimacy, it's important that pet peeves are addressed in the right way. Number six is self-image. And sometimes our partner's pet peeves are related to our discomfort with who we are as sexual beings and sexual partners to our spouses. For example, if we're uncomfortable expressing our sexual feelings to our spouse, if we're uncomfortable with what to say or how to verbalize what we're experiencing emotionally and physically, what we do say may come out awkward or our partner can feel our inhibition. Or perhaps we're uncomfortable or even dissatisfied with how we look. And how we look is related to our sexual confidence. We're probably going to be inhibited or awkward. Now on the other hand, if we're totally comfortable with ourselves and we're overly confident in the bedroom because of past experiences, knowledge that we think we have, or just a general lack of consideration for our partner, for example, then we may also be acting in ways or saying things that to us are totally sexy, but to our partners are complete turnoffs. So this is another conversation worth having. And number seven is sexual knowledge, or more accurately, a lack thereof. Nothing will create self-consciousness, performance anxiety, or sexual inhibition more than a lack of sexual knowledge. This can be knowledge about how to please or pleasure your partner, or it can be knowledge about what turns you on, feels good to you, or leads to your own pleasure and climax. This is one of my passions in working with couples on their sex lives because so many couples who've grown up in the church come into marriage with a lack of sexual knowledge and don't know who to trust to get accurate and helpful information. So if this is you, perhaps talk about this with your spouse and tune in over the next few weeks for more info. You can also go back and listen to episodes number 38 through 46 of the Brave Marriage podcast if you'd like to learn more in the meantime. Now, your action step for today is actually three-part. Number one, consider which one of these sexual breaks or extinguishers most inhibits your sexual arousal and sexual intimacy with your spouse. And if you can do this together, even better. Number two, Come up with the smallest thing each of you could then do to lower the barriers to sexual arousal and reduce your resistance to being intimate. So what's the smallest step toward change that you could make in this area? And number three, tell each other what you've decided to do and then work toward your individual changes together. I'll be back next week to talk about sexual accelerators and ways to increase your arousal. And again, I would be grateful if you would share this episode with your spouse or even with a friend with whom you'd like to start having these conversations. My prayer for your marriage this week is just for courage, that no matter how habitual, routine, non-starter, or even trepidatious your sex life has become, that you two would have the courage to talk about this together and to seek support if needed. 
I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Just as fragile